This podcast is produced and distributed by Biz Radio Asheville. To receive the free Biz Radio app, just text the word Asheville to 36260. That's Asheville to 36260. With the app, you can easily enjoy this program and other local programming podcasts on demand. Hi, everyone. I am Joanna Patrice Haggerty, and this is In Business with JPH, where we share tips and tools of our community's most innovative entrepreneurs, artists, and creative business owners. Today with me is Jen Gordon, an amazing colleague, friend, and artist. Jen Gordon is a mixed media artist and sculptor, arts administrator, public arts facilitator, and writer based in Western North Carolina. Jen received her BA in 2006 from Humboldt State University in California, where she double majored in art history and studio art with a minor in German and a certificate in museum and gallery practices. Already off the gate, you're doing a bunch of things. Over the last 17 years, she has worked as an arts administration, public arts advocacy, nonprofit management, and cultural event coordination in California, Florida, and Asheville. She moved to Asheville in 2008 and immediately became engaged in the local arts community, particularly public art, through developing a culture of defining art as an economic driver and community builder. She has worked with numerous local arts organizations like Arts to People, Asheville Area Arts Council, Arts Council of Henderson County, Upstairs Art Space, and consulted with the City of Tampa Art Department, Asheville Downtown Association, and the South Slope Neighborhood Association on several public art projects. She served on the Public Art and Cultural Commission for the City of Asheville and held seats on the Urban Trail Subcommittee, the Acquisition Subcommittee, and the Downtown Master Plan Arts and Cultural Committee. Currently, she is a first-year MFA student at Western Carolina University. She works in mixed media, fiber, sculpture, and installations combining all aspects of papermaking, printmaking, and alternative process photography. Sculptural work materials include the use of natural, found, and reclaimed objects, plastics, metals, wax, paper, acrylic paint, and various textiles to create multiple layers of depth. Hi, Jen. Holy moly goodness gracious, you are (laughs) such a busy lady. (laughs) Hi. Thanks so much for being here. And honestly, it's always really fun for me to bring my colleagues and friends and read their bios in this way. I get so re-inspired about the magic of who you are as a person. So again, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. It it, it sounds like a lot. It really does. When when someone else reads it, it sounds like a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. And truthfully, you know, you and I met through working at the Arts Council years ago, and we have just really bonded on the crux between arts and arts admin and economic development. And so I really thought you being in grad school for your artist self right now would be a really fun opportunity for you to come and really talk about that juxtaposition of of both pieces. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it feels like I have like this duality of self. But um, yeah, it's definitely um, been a, a good adventure in understanding like what it means to be an artist and and how from a municipal standpoint and you know kind of other organizations how they impact the lives of artists Mm -hmm. well let's let's start with you as the artist again i really love that we could go economic or we could go very personal but 
you are in grad school. What made that decision? I know that process wasn't an easy one for you. So talk me through how you concluded that and, and what you've been doing this first semester. And so I graduated. Yeah. So I, you know, when I graduated in 2006, I, I wasn't really thinking about more school at the time. And, um, you know, I, I went through this, you know, uh, all these different programs in the undergraduate level so that I could um, be as diverse uh, a person as possible because, you know, you, you always hear the statement, oh, the starving artist and this <laughs> and that. And, you know, I was like, well, art doesn't always make you the living that you want. So I'm better, you know, broaden my horizons and make sure that I'll be able to get a job somewhere. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, working in that capacity um, kind of has helped me move through this, you know, kind of need to, um Except that, yes, that is one path. Unfortunately, it's not the path I'm supposed to be on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you got fed the lie that you won't be financially stable and successful if you truly submit to your art. And right. that is a real, real subversive and pervasive lie that creatives and artists are fed. So I think it's a really important one to address. So right. was it just kind of getting fed up with that? That just throw your hands up, let's go to school, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, you know, over the course of 17 years and I've run galleries and worked for <laughs> municipal departments in public art facilitation and all these things. And, and, you know, I have found that, you know, there are some places that are great at supporting the arts and mm -hmm. some places that are not. Um, but but primarily the the issue for me is that I am a creative person and I yeah. need to be able to um, make art and not just support everyone else who's making art and and I love all my fellow artists out in the world and out in Asheville and I've been truly inspired by all of them um, <clears throat> and and I'm so glad that. I was able to like really center and find the the strength to make that decision that mm -hmm. it was worth it for me to go back to school to focus on being an artist. And and another sort of like overarching concept that I've sort of been teasing out of the last just few episodes of starting this radio show is this concept of really honing in on your zone of genius. And that's what you did. Like you could find ways to make money. You are such a skilled individual as most of us are, but really choosing to accept your expertise, which is creating and creating large scale pieces. Your public art ability is very unmatched by a lot of other people. And that is a very needed skill. So I really would love for you to dive in about some of the projects you've been working in as an artist with your MFA program, if you want to tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Um, well, so, um, you know, Western North Carolina uh, University is, it's a drive from where I am. So I live <laughs> in Hendersonville and I drive about an hour and 10 minutes every day to go to school. And one of the things that I, I did this last semester was this project that was based on this idea of uh, the concept of detritus, right? So, you know, detritus is considered like all the things that you are, are cast off. It's like trash and, you know, things you don't need anymore. And where does that know, originate from? Um, 
I I am not sure where it, it you know the origin of the word, but oh, okay, just was yeah, but, curious. I love that phrase. I've not I've not heard it before. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. De- detritus has become this like art uh, world, you know, kind of exploration mm-hmm. as we travel through the world in whatever fashion that we travel, you know, if you're walking on the side of the street, you know, like there's just trash everywhere, right? There's Mm -hmm. this like kind of environmental disregard for all the things that we no longer need. And one of my discoveries in driving, um, you know, to school every day is like the, the massive amount of like busted off tires that come (laughs) from, you know, you know, big rigs and trucks and, you know, whatever. And it's all like along the side of the road. And you know me, I'm like super distracted easily. And so I'm driving and I'm driving and I'm driving and I'm like, oh my God, look at that tire. Oh my God, look at that. (laughs) And, and it was just so interesting because the idea was like from another artist and like what she was working on. And, and then, you know, the idea just kind of hit me as I'm driving, like, how can can I take a material that is clearly considered trash because it's no longer serving its purpose? And, and how do I take it and make it into something else, something useful, something beautiful, something with a new life, something that can talk about how we as humans kind of have this disregard for our trash. And if you um, if you consistently told yourself that being distracted was a bad thing, then you wouldn't have had that moment right. of inspiration and and that's really the the sign of of stepping into your true artist self is really being able to accept that wasting time is not a waste of time. Right. <laughs> right. You know, we ha- we have this uh, I have this uh Me, I think is perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like people in enjoy- I mean, it, there's so much, right? It's like this constant onslaught uh, of just um stimulation to the mind and it, it, it's often easy to, to get, um, you know, distracted and confused and not know what direction you're supposed to be heading in. But when you keep doing something and you keep thinking consistently about the same thing and you just keep looking at it, and that's kind of when I know that, oh, yeah, there may be something there if I'm consistently coming back to it as an idea. Yeah. So think about and you yeah. you have been again we we talked about you in this self exploration of all of these art things you've done as well as these administration pieces and for you to have made that decision prior to this global pandemic really in yeah. my opinion speaks to you stepping into your true power and and those people who are finding themselves settled in the right place right now should really pat themselves on the back for that because what a year to have sort of found your expertise. I know. <laughs> right? It's like, you know, it's a global pandemic. I think I'll go to school. That sounds I'm like I'm trying to live my best life in some of these I ways. Think, I think I'm going to go back and get a master's degree. That sounds great. <laughs> oh, but you know, uh, the funny thing about it is that typically going back to school in a, you know, kind of postgraduate degree program is like really isolating because you spend a lot of time thinking with yourself about yourself about what you think about and is so it kind of was a perfect time to 
to do that. So I just sit in my studio at school and like, don't leave and don't talk to anyone and don't interrupt. Know, the other work that you usually do is like working in kitchens with your hands. Cause again, yeah. that creative part of you and what a time to not be doing that work. High five. You're right? kicking some booty. Tires. I, I would love if you could sort of talk us through a little bit of the visual depiction of how you're kind of bringing these materials together. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so I was, it was kind of led by a prompt. So we did a, a, what's called a charrette, which is like a short period of time where you spend with, uh, you know, somebody who's an expert in something. And then you kind of manifest along that period, something mm -hmm. relationship to that. So I worked with um, artist Nora Hartlaw. She um, graduated from Western um, University uh, a while ago and was, uh, you know, she's teaching ad project um, that was associated with the uh, quarantine and she called it stopgap in situ. And so stopgap means a, like a quick fix. It's like a bandaid, right? Mm -hmm. To, to fix a problem immediately that it needs more time to like fully assess how to make it better. Um, and so she did these performance pieces with trash that she was picking up on the side of the road. And so she was making these recordings. So wow we were prompted to do something similar. And what I did was rented a U-Haul truck. Um, of course, of course you did. <laughs> like my favorite thing to do is <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, and so then I'm, you know, driving the route to school and I would stop and go and pick up these shredded pieces of tire. So I'd pull this little U-Haul over, get out of the truck, and I would record on, you know, on my phone, I would mm -hmm. record myself walking and picking up. And so like the act of collecting. And then I gathered all this stuff and took it to school. Um, I then lined the inside of the truck with paper and set up my camera to record whatever interaction I was going to make with the tires and this paper wow. inside this truck. And, and what I was thinking about is really the, you know, kind of impact of tires. Like mm. we spend a lot of time in cars. Mm -hmm. And so I find it interesting to consider what the impact of our mode of transportation is on Absolutely. the world we live in. And the materials it's made of and right. how that impacts the, the earth. I mean, I yeah. totally get why that inspired you. Yeah. There's a part of me that actually uh, is sort of extrapolating something for sort of the larger audience that uh, may even be a nice reflection for you too. But one of the things that I know about you just in your journey is it's easy to, as you mentioned, be distracted and not necessarily for even ill-fitted reasons. You have, you have kid, family, things right. need you. And you had been in a position that really prioritizing your creativity was almost impossible without making this decision yeah. to go to school. And that I think is a big part of the conversation I want to start having with the larger creative population. Not that I'm saying grad school yeah. is the answer for everyone, but seeking knowledge or seeking that support when you need it, right? If you're blocked yeah. mentally, go see a therapist. If you're blocked yeah. creatively, find some exercises. There are ways that you can reach out to your community and your larger world 
to get your needs met. And honestly, it is a pleasure and an inspiration to me to know you so personally these last several years and watch you find this inspiration through prompts. Like you might not have gotten that inspiration had you not been engaged in that process at all. Right, right. Yeah. And it, you know, it's really interesting too, because I feel like this pandemic has really um, allowed us some time that we all thought we didn't actually have <laughs> or need, right? Right. And, and then suddenly it's like, oh, well, now we have all kinds of time. Like I lost both of my restaurant jobs, which I, you know, had been in that industry forever and ever. And when that happened, I was just like, oh, well, maybe I can live without doing that. And yeah. I have been, and it's been amazing. So, well, the gig economy is so valuable for us creatives. It's literally what usually pays our bills when we're first getting getting started, it can also just be our own rat race that we get stuck in. Yeah. And it's important to have that conversation because we're not meant to be servers, bartenders, you know, hourly and, wage payers anymore. Right. You know, that's not yeah. what we are meant for as artists. We are meant to break the molds. We are meant to right. have hard conversations. <laughs> and we're also the people who will stop at nothing to get our creative mm. juices going. So mm-hmm. you know you know, like, whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it because I need to make art. And so, you know, it's been interesting for me to, to really just have to stop, like to be forced to stop and realize that I can live less abundantly in like this, like consumer realm, and use my time and consider that my abundance, because really, time is so valuable. And it's the one thing that I've realized is like the most important thing to me is my time. Well, and and your mind, you're, you are the creator. And if we are only ever as good as the hourly rate we put on ourselves, we will never get out of debt. I mean, or that others put on a job. Absolutely. 100%. But then once we get into the entrepreneurial world, I mean, you and I talk a lot about this. You are in the crux where figuring out how to commodify yourself as an right. artist is still a challenge for you. Yeah. And that's totally fine to be in that place. Um, right. That's really where I come in and I break it down and I say, if you find how to commodify yourself and yeah. you're making $500 an hour, guess what? You're making a million dollars a year, right? right? And I can break these down in ways that make it feel realistic and tangible, just like an MFA for art, right? I wish yeah. that these grad programs had a lot more business support, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that you can't learn that, you know? Yeah, I know. And and it's funny because I've been now, this is my second foray into, <laughs> you know, college education. And one of the things that I have recognized throughout the whole thing is that there is no path for the artist entrepreneur. And those mm-hmm. courses yeah. need to be included um, in order to, to make sure that our artists can can pursue their own entrepreneurial goals and and make that happen for themselves when they know how yeah and this is honestly you know you as a colleague and a friend of mine you understand my journey has been a wandery confusing journey i recently was in event production which if i had still been doing that this year wouldn't have worked for me either so for me to have pivoted into finding business planning models to teach artists and creatives because that doesn't exist 
that came out of my failures. That came out of overextending myself. That came out of realizing what isn't there and what my zone of genius is and just settling into that niche. <laughs> Absolutely. And so when, when my course yeah. launches, how about you connect me with your MFA professor? We'll get it. <laughs> this is now required curriculum. Yeah. And, and as you and I know, it really should be again, as it's someone done. who understands arts administration, I have watched you produce programs that have financial success while also then really looking at your amazing art that's sellable that people want to buy and wonder if you'll make enough money. I have right. seen you wrestle both of those parts. And again, both are super valid to give space and time to. I know. And, you know, I think overall, like the arts administrative components have allowed me to gain a deeper understanding of the uh, hoops one yeah. must jump through in order mm -hmm. to make your own art happen at at a city level. So that's where the current limitations are too. Yeah. I mean, you and I understand most art programming comes from people who are not artists and who don't understand Correct. that side of the coin and what it means to live that way. And so yeah. people like you and I have sort of been this bridge between, but you and I both are looking in the face and I'm like, well, I'm a creative hobbyist and I'm a professional economic arts developer. And you're yeah. like, well, I'm a economic development hobbyist and an artist and that's right. where we all have our puzzle pieces that fit together <laughs> right and I mean I feel like you know the more you like lean into a creative entrepreneurship you realize that there's like a larger network of people that yes. you associate yourself with in order to fill the gaps for the things that you one don't want to spend your time on and two want to support another person's industry you know to and it all ties in together and that's just kind of where we need to be oh my god i love hearing you say that that's honestly <laughs> one of my favorite things when i start working on business planning for artists is like here are the five buckets of things that have to be dealt with right. for a business to be successful. But guess what? If you don't want to deal with three of those, you only have to get to a point to you. You can hire that out. Right. That's right. <laughs> and it gives you that a little more strategy. Um, yeah. One of the clients I just had come in uh, for a quick consultation was talking so much about being this festival artist. And sometimes I don't always know where my money came because I got a $50 payment here and a this right. here and super fair, right? You're running yeah. to 20 different cities and a month or two, like, yeah, that world's going to get fuzzy. But if you have a system, okay, here's my little notebook. I write it right. down. It's not like we're going crazy and saying you have to have QuickBooks Deluxe to run right. your business. Right. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And, you know, those are the things that they don't prepare you for. You no. And, and again, they don't know how to break it down. And that's where I come into play. And I'm so thankful that there are people like you who want to learn that lesson. And wow. I wish we had like hours and hours to talk more about this, but I think it's about time for us to wrap up today. <laughs> I know. On and on. Well, why don't you see if you can give the audience a quick, you know, what's coming in 2021? How can they reach out to you? Just let sure. people know. Yeah, so um, I should be having um, a show coming up um, potentially at Revolve. Those details are not mm. solid yet, but those will be available um, at my website, which is www.jengordonart.com. 
com. I love it. So simple, so succinct. You are really <laughs> taking that charge. And as a friend and colleague, I just am so thankful to have you here. Thanks again for being oh, here. Thanks, Joanna. Yeah. And as always, I am Joanna Patrice Haggerty, and this is In Business with JPH, where we share tips and tools of our community's most innovative entrepreneurs, artists, and creative business owners. Thank you so much for tuning in and please connect with me by downloading the biz radio app or on Instagram at jph.creative. I'd love to hear your show suggestions or any questions that you may have. Stay creative. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.